Praise the Lord. Well, we're excited that you're here with us tonight on this Sunday evening, on this beautiful day. Amen. Um, we're going to get started in just a second, but we would just like to uh, open with the word of prayer. So if you would stand with us while we open with the word of prayer. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to worship you on this evening. Lord, we, we bless you and we thank you, Lord, for your love and your grace. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity just to come and draw near to you, Lord. Thank you that we can come into this place and, and just see your face. And Lord, that you would do a new thing in our lives. We pray, God, that you would renew our strength, that you would renew our hope. Lord, we pray that you would give us that inner strength, Father, to continue to live for you in this world. Father, we thank you for this opportunity. We bless your holy name. And Lord, we pray that you would have your way in this service tonight. Lord, we ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody says, amen, amen. you believe what the Lord has done in me? Can you believe what the Lord has done in me? He healed my body. He turned my life around. He set my feet on a higher ground. Can you believe what the Lord has done in me? what the Lord has done in me. Can you believe what the Lord has done in me? He healed my body. He turned my life around. He set my feet on a higher ground. Can you believe what the Lord has done in me? Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me. It was just in time. I'm going to praise His name. His love is just the same. Come on and praise Him. Look what the Lord has done. When I think of His goodness and what He's done for me, when I think of His mercy and how He set me free, I want to shout, 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 shout all night. When I think of His goodness and what He's done for me, when I think of His mercy and how He set me free, I want to clap, 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 clap all night. When I think of His goodness and what He's done for me, when I think of His mercy and how He set me free, I want to dance, 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 dance all night. Look what the Lord has done. 
Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me. It was just in time. I'm going to praise His name. His love is just the same. Come on and praise Him. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. Hallelujah. He touched my mind. He touched my mind. He saved me. It was just in time. I'm going to praise His name. Hallelujah. His love is just the same. Come on and praise Him. Look what the Lord has done. Hallelujah. Praise Thank the Lord. Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank, Thank you, Jesus. Lord, that you're our healer, God. You're our Savior, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Jesus. Hallelujah. We praise you tonight, Lord. Blessed be your name, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love that in uh, Job. He said he gives and he takes away. Still my soul will say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Blessed be the name of the 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 Lord. Most high. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run in. Just run into it, and they are saved. Glory is the name of the Lord. Glory is the name of the Lord. Glory is the name of the Lord. Say 
is the name of the Lord. Holy is the name of the Lord. Holy is the name of the Lord. Most high. Holy is the name of the Lord. Just run into it, and they are saved. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank praise you, Lord. the hallelujah. Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We praise thank you tonight, you, God. We just give our all to you, God. We just pray, Lord. Oh, thank you. Lord, that we not hinder what you want to do in here tonight, God. We just pray for every person right now, Father, that you just have your way, God. Have your way. Yes, Lord. Place, yes, Lord. Jesus, thank Lord, you. Lord, we just thank you so much, Lord. Thank we you, just Father. trust you, you, Father. We place our faith in who you are, God. You are our strong tower, God. Lord, we thank Jesus. you, Lord. You're our refuge, Lord. Yes, God. Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We just thank you, Jesus. You're our peace, God. Hallelujah. You're we our peace, you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I give myself away. I give myself away so you myself away I give myself away so you can use me here I am here I stand Lord
in a good term in the Bible. But, you know, that's what he does to our hearts when we're hard, and he softens that heart, makes it melt like wax. And, you know, it's then where our heart's so pliable, we're more teachable, we're more receptive to what he wants for us and what he has for us. We don't hold back, but just give it all to him. Let him just break that hardness off your heart tonight and just let him just make it that 
heart of flesh, that heart that's just teachable and that heart that just burns and desires only Him, not the things of this world, not things that are just going to vanish away, but those things that are eternal and only God, it's only in Him. Hallelujah. Let's just sing this a couple more times tonight, church. Let's just sing this, and just make this your prayer tonight. Just let God put you on that potter's wheel tonight and just let him mold you and fashion you and make you to who he wants you to be. Change my heart, oh God. Make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God. May I be like you. You are the Jesus, he's so good tonight. Hallelujah. Yes, he Hallelujah. is. Hallelujah. I love that. This is what Thank I pray. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank Father, Jesus. we bless you tonight. We thank you, Lord, that you do change us. Lord, we thank you that you do make all things new. And Lord, we that is our prayer, Lord, that you would change us, that you would create in us, Lord, a new heart, a clean heart. Lord, we thank you that we can come to you broken and leave mended, that we can come to you empty and leave filled, that we can come to you dry, and Lord, we can leave filled. Lord, thank you for the precious gift of your spirit. We pray, Lord, that you would continue to minister to each and every one of us tonight, Lord, and we ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody says, all right, praise the Lord. Amen, amen. And God has been good to us this weekend. What a great way to celebrate uh, this weekend. We've had amazing time of ministry, amazing time um, connecting with friends and uh, ministering to others. 
And then this morning we had a, um, a, a great service and we had a special time of, of prayer just to uh, recognize that this is uh, Memorial Day weekend and we want to especially uh, be thankful for the sacrifice of all the brave men and women in our history of this nation that has um, sacrificed their life, that we can live in a nation that is free. Um, so we do want to continue to uh, to recognize that, and uh, we want you to make sure that you pray uh, for them as well, and thank God for the fact that we live in this nation such as we do. Amen. Um, this evening, we're going to be getting back into where we were today, uh, which is 2 Timothy chapter 2. So if you have your Bible, uh, you can go ahead and get over there, 2 Timothy chapter number 2. Give you a minute to get there. Just a, a quick reminder: we do have our our vacation Bible school uh, little handouts. It's uh, coming up in July, so these are in the foyer along with our brand new two tracks. Um, we have one about uh, if you say that you know God and you say that you love God, um, and on the back it says, "If you love me, obey my commandments." So, um, some good scriptures on there. And then the other one is just an old-fashioned gospel presentation just to make sure that uh, the people that receive it know the gospel um, has some really good information in it. Uh, those are two brand new ones, great ones to give out. So make sure that you get those as you leave and go and spread the gospel. Amen. Well, we are going to get into the meat of the matter tonight, which is Second uh, Timothy chapter number 2. And we're going to get into the Word of God tonight, and Lord willing, uh, we're going to um, finish what the Lord has for us tonight. There's just uh, a lot into this that we want to unpack, and um, there's, there's a lot, I believe, that the Lord is speaking to us, not only our church, not only to you and to me, uh, but I believe it's a word for right now that we need to grab hold of. Um, one of the things that I, that I believe is likely in a lot of people's lives right now is that we will when there's crisis going on we're very quick and you may not even realize you do it but we're very quick to lean on the flesh we're very quick to solve one problem the way that we always did in the past um, you know you never saw any other leper uh, go in the same way that Naaman did you know he, he was told to go in and to dip several times and then when he came out but you didn't see any other leper doing that because God does things differently it's about obeying God it's about you know and so sometimes if we you know if we lean on the arm of the flesh we can get ourselves in a bind one of the most famous examples I think of in the word of God is uh, Nehushtan and that is if you know don't know what that is that was the serpent that uh, Moses made that brazen serpent on the pole well how many of you know after that great deliverance they kept that thing and it actually became an idol in Israel's history, and they called it Nehushtan. And um, any, anyways, once they began to uh, correct the system, they had to crush that thing and break it because they were relying on the way that God did something back then instead of relying on fresh victory for today. And how many of us, right, we rely on the, the old, right? If you go try to eat old manna, it's got some maggots in there. You need new manna every morning. You need to go out and get and get into your your uh, devotion, get into the Lord, and go and seek His face new every morning. Let Him do a new thing in you every day. 
and that's where you're, you'll find victory at. Uh, not in the old manna, amen, but in the new manna every day that he has for you. So uh, just, uh, just uh, want to get that out there. Let's go ahead and pray, and let's get into the word tonight, amen. Father, we bless you tonight. We thank you, Lord, for the ministry of the Spirit. We thank you, Lord, for just how beautiful you are, Lord, that we can come into this place on a Sunday evening when uh, the, it's such a beautiful day, and Lord, we can come into an even more beautiful God. Lord, you're more beautiful than even this day outside. Lord, we thank you for who you are and all that you've done for us. Lord, I ask for that anointing to preach and teach as you desire. And Lord, we all ask for that anointing to hear and receive all that you have for us tonight. And we ask it in the precious name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Everybody says. All right, praise the Lord. So tonight in 2 Timothy chapter 2, we're going to be coming back into this passage. Um, verse number 24. Um, Let's, well, let's pick it up into verse number 23 just and, and run through this for just a second. It says, But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. Now, there's an important thing we want to get into before that is that, that Paul is telling Timothy here not to get into peripheral battles, not to worry about what color somebody's tie is or what the carpet color is or whether somebody likes their coffee with creamer or milk or sugar or nothing. Not to get into the battles of those peripheral things, but to focus on the Word of God because people need the truth. And specifically, what we're going to get into tonight is people need to acknowledge the truth so that they can get out of the snare that the devil has got them into. Now, that's very important that we understand this because the devil is on the prowl. The devil is looking for those, amen, that he may devour. He's walking about looking for someone to devour. And one of the things that we're commissioned to do in Peter's epistle is to remain steadfast in the faith. And in order to do that, we're going to need to acknowledge the truth. If you're not willing to acknowledge the truth, guess what? You're going to stay right where you're at. It's only when you're willing to acknowledge the truth that things begin to change. And once you begin to acknowledge the truth, it's not about you. It's about Jesus. It's about what he has said. And it's about who he is. It's not about anything else except for you coming to that place of acknowledging the truth. Notice the key, the catalyst to where repentance comes from, acknowledging the truth. That's the key. That's the catalyst. And that's what we're going to get into tonight. But notice this here. Is that you, listen to this, there's a, a snare, the word snare I want to look at. It says that they, they, they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. Once, once you acknowledge the truth, once you begin to repent, and look, everybody is messed up from time to time. Sometimes we get in, uh, what one pastor says is stinking thinking. What, sometimes we get into bad habits or we, we rely on our flesh and we, we blow it or something. And, and the reality is, is that what we need to know is what to do when we're in a snare, what to do when we're in a trap, the worst thing you can do, the worst thing you can do is nothing. That's the worst thing. If, if nothing else, stand in faith. 
If nothing else, stand in faith. Stand on the truth of God's word. But the worst thing you can do is just continue going downhill and not doing anything about it. And what we see in our society today is we see people that are content and complacent. As long as they can buy a Big Mac, they don't care that they've offended God. They don't care that they're living in a lifestyle that offends God. They don't care that they're going against the word of God. As long as they can get their Big Mac, don't bother them about breaking the holy standard of God. And the problem that we see today is people don't have a backbone to stand up for what God's word says. They don't have a backbone to say, you know what, God has a standard. It's not about what I think or you think. We've got to get past what you think and what I think, and we've got to come back to that place where we say, but what does God say? That's supposed to be the standard. And when we as a nation come back to that place where we say, that book right there, that's God's holy word. That's God's holy word. And it's not about what I think is right, but it's about what God says is right. And it's not about my opinion, but it's about what his righteous standard says. And so we see here that this snare, now any anytime you see the word snare in the Bible, that's synonymous with trap. It's like a trap door. It's like that that uh, a mouse trap. You know, they put a piece of cheese on the spring, right? And a mouse, most of them know that. They don't go into those. I think the word got into the community. They don't usually go for those anymore. But but sometimes you, it's real cheese on the thing, and it's but it's a trap. It's a trap. And, you know, the enemy does the same thing. He wants you to... He wants you to do what you feel is right. He wants you to, to serve your flesh and say, you know what, that's outdated. God said back then, you know, that's that's then. This is now. He's not, you know, I, I know what's best for me, and I, I'm just going to kind of make my own way up. That's That's cheese on a trap. That's cheese on a trap. Once you begin to say, well, you know what, I know the Word of God says that no drunkard will inherit the kingdom of God. Eh, well, that's way back then. Well, I know the Bible says that, that, you know, homosexuality, that's an abomination to God. But that's way back then. You know, this is now. All that is is cheese on a trap because the devil done got you where he wants you. He's got you off this. He's got you off this. Once you get off this, you've done gotten onto a snare. You, you, done, you done grabbed a piece of cheese on a spring. And what happens is that that, that spring's going to snap on you. And the only way you're going to get out of that is come to a place where you acknowledge the truth. Where you acknowledge the truth. Notice that it says that in verse 27, the, 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 the prayer is that these people would get instruction when they oppose themselves. And it would lead to repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. That's the key. That's the catalyst. Now, now I don't know, you know, what your battle is. I don't know what your battle is going to be tomorrow. I don't know, you know, what tomorrow holds, but I do know this. I do know this. All power, all the power that is necessary to break every yoke the enemy has was wrought at Calvary. I do know that. I don't know what the battle is, and I don't know what bind you might get yourself in, because sometimes we get ourselves in a bind. Sometimes we begin to believe the lies of the enemy. Sometimes we, be- we begin to go down the wrong road. We begin to associate with the wrong friends. Sometimes we begin to allow a little leaven to leaven our lump, and we begin to yoke ourselves with unbelievers, and we begin to do things that we know God is a 
against and to begin to defile our soul and our spirit. But God is saying, look, I want you to know this. The power to break that yoke, the power to break the power of the enemy, everything that is necessary to break the stronghold of Satan off of your life was wrought on Calvary's hill as the blood of Jesus ran down that hill. The power to set you free was made available for you and for me. And there is no reason in the world that you should be bound by Satan today. There is none at all. You should be a free man. You should be a free woman in Jesus' name. You should stop believing the lies of the devil and you should start serving God and the power to take you from there to there is at the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said all power in heaven and earth has been given unto me. All power means that there is no power that the enemy has over your life if you belong to God. Now, if you don't belong to God, he's got you. If you don't belong to the Lord Jesus, he's got you. But it's when you come to acknowledge the truth of who God is that you begin to experience freedom in your life. And I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful that God set me free. Amen. I love that song that we sing sometimes. He set me free. I mean, I just feel like flying like a bird when we sing that song. He set me free. I don't want to be bound anymore. I don't want to go back in that cage. God done set me free. I don't want to go back. But you know what? If I ever find myself back in a trap, I know where to go. I know to go to that cross right there. And I know to acknowledge the truth of who he is and who I am and what I did. And I know God will set me free. Amen. It says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, amen, to cleanse us. He is faithful and just. But we've got to come to God and confess those things, amen. So all the power that the enemy has has been broken, every bit of it. There's no power that Satan has that's not been broken at the cross. Not one iota. You can't sit there and say, I would serve God but this. Or I would come out of this but this. There's no power that Satan has that was not broken at the cross. Jesus said, all power in heaven and earth has been given to me. That means every ounce of power that is necessary to take you out of depression, to take you out of discouragement, to take you out of alcohol, to take you out of drugs, to take you out of fornicating, out of adultery, to take you out of homosexuality, to remove the shame of abortion, to remove the shame of your sin. All power that the enemy has was broken at the cross. All of it. Every bit of it. And so that's the only place where you'll find victory. And God wants you to have victory. But listen, he's not going to shove victory down your throat. He's not going to shove. He's not going to, you know, like a parent shoves green beans down their kid's throat. God's not going to do that with victory for you. He invites you to come to the cross. He invites you to fall down on your knees. He invites you to come and surrender your soul. He invites you to come and give your heart to him. Just like we just sang. Give yourself away to him. And when you do, when you do, he's not going to shove it down your throat. But he's going to give you every victory you need in this life. Amen. In fact, listen to this. In fact, listen to this. We talked about this this morning, that there's a circumcision that has to take place in your life. Am I? Circumcision. Not with the scalpel. Not from a doctor. A circumcision from the Holy Ghost has to take place in your life. And that circumcision is the Holy Ghost cutting you away from the world. You, the, the Holy Ghost scalpel has got to come and sever you from the power, the dominion, and the control of this world. 
And he will. He will. But listen to me. Listen. All power, dominion, and control of your flesh was broken when you died with Christ. You see, when, when you identified with his death, and when you, the, in Romans 6, it says that we were buried with him in the baptism of his death. But that was your identifying with his death, your surrendering of who you are to what he did on that cross. And when you surrender your flesh and you identified with his death, then the power of the flesh was broken. Now, now this is something that, especially if you're a new believer, because the moment you get off that high hill, and that's an awesome hill to get on, but the moment you begin to begin to go the next day, and then the next day, listen, listen, the power's been broken, but if you begin to serve the flesh again, if you begin to serve the flesh again, they'll have control over you. Begin to have control over you. But the Bible says that if you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. But you will, you will long to whom you serve but the power is broken when you're buried with Christ in his death that's the only I want to I want you to get this before we move on the only place you'll experience the power of the flesh being broken is when you're buried in the baptism of his death that's the only place I mean if you got one foot hanging out the grave you're not going to have victory if you got one hand holding on to something while the rest of you goes down, you're not going to have victory. If you're holding something back from God like Achan did, you're not going to have victory. The whole nation of Israel lost a battle because one man had one idol. One sin in the camp caused defeat for the whole nation. And if you've got one hidden sin in your heart, it'll cause the flesh to remain in control when God gave you victory to be set free. One sin, that's all it takes. I want to tell you something. Brother Ravenhill said this. He said, God hasn't lost, lost the battle yet. Think about that. God hasn't lost the battle to alcohol. God hasn't lost a battle to depression. God hasn't lost a battle to the power of Satan. God hasn't lost one battle yet. He invites you to come and be set free and reign in victory with Christ. We are supposed to be co-heirs, ruling and reigning with Christ. We are supposed to be risen with Christ, not setting our heart on the things below, but setting our affections on things above. And God has called you to that place of victory. And the victory is Christ, and he invites you to partake of that victory. But in order for you to do that, you have to come to this place where you're buried with Christ in the baptism of his death so that you are living a life free from control of the flesh. Amen. Amen. So here's the key. I want, you to, I want to get into you tonight. Here's the key. How do we get this victory? I don't know about you, but I, I would rather have victory than have defeat. Maybe you're, you know, there's some people that are like, I, I just like it having a hard, Pastor. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? I'm like, I learned the hard way. I learned the best the hard way. You know, if this door number one's easy and door number two's hard, I'm going to learn better going the hard way. That's just me. Some of us are hard-headed. I think that's the phrase. 
Some of us are hard-headed. But when you come to that, how many of you have been down a hard road before? Right? We've been on a hard road. And sometimes we just need to say, you know what? This road's been hard, and it's taking a toll on me. I'm ready to walk in victory. I'm ready to leave these things behind. I want, come on now. Your ish, I don't know what your issue is, and I'm not trying to make light of your issue, but I'm telling you God hasn't lost the battle yet. I don't know what your issue is, but God can, God can win the victory for you. I don't know what it is. You're gonna, are you seriously going to say, well, this thing's too big for God? Come on. I, I love you, and you're all that in a bag of chips, but come on. Are you really going to tell God that your issue's bigger than God? He has not lost one battle yet. Bring your battle to God and watch victory come. Now. How do we get into this place of victory? Well, I'm going to show you. The key is acknowledge. Key is acknowledge. There's, there's three different keys of acknowledging that I want to share with you tonight. And these three keys of acknowledging are, are, are going to help you operate in this place of victory. Um, number one. Number one is uh, really important. Because most of the time, this is the issue. David actually found this out. Sometimes... You need to acknowledge that you're a sinner, that you've sinned against God. Amen? And sometimes it's just that simple. I know there's times in my life I didn't know what was wrong, and I just cried out, oh, God, I don't even know what I did, but I must have done something, Lord. I'm sorry. And then the Holy Spirit began to remind me what I did. Once I began to operate in humility, the Holy Spirit began to point out and highlight. Maybe I said a word that I shouldn't have said, or maybe I, I was, uh, you know, not, not very patient with somebody, or, or, you know, say something or do something. The Holy Spirit begins to remind you those things, and, and then you say, oh, you know what, I need to go make that right, Lord. You're right. You're right. But sometimes we need, number one is we need to acknowledge our sin. We need to acknowledge our sin. Let me show you that in Psalm 51. Turn with me to Psalm 51, the most famous psalm, and we're going to look at the beginning of it. Now, if you're not familiar with this psalm, this is after David sinned, probably his greatest sin, when he sinned with Bathsheba. And before he, and we always sing this, right? Create in me a clean heart, right? Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, O Lord. And take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Oh, what a beautiful song. I love the way Keith Green does that song. But before all that happens, something else got to be acknowledged. This is the key. In order for you, in order for you to get out of the snare. Now, if you just, if you just think you're going to worship your way out of sin, you're not. If you think you're just going to begin to turn over a new leaf and walk a new walk, you know, you, you're not. You're going to have to come to a place where you acknowledge that stuff before God. In other words, I want, I want just to remind you, going back, the key to repentance and coming out of the snare that the devil has had over certain folks is acknowledging the truth. So don't continue in the lie. Don't continue in the lie. It's not about, well, you know, I ended that, I ended that. The key is acknowledging the truth. Look what David says here in verse number three. Well, let's read, let's read verse two. He said, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my 
transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Look at that. David's acknowledging his sin. One of the keys, well, the first of three keys I want to share with you tonight, the first of three keys for you to get out of the snare of the devil is to, and, and all three of these might hit you, but it may just be one of them. But in order for you to get out of the snare of the devil, you've got to come to that place where you say, you know what, Lord, I've done something that your word says not to do. I've sinned. I've sinned. And, and the most important thing that you can do is know this, know this, that God wants to cleanse you. God wants to cleanse you. If God didn't want to cleanse you, Jesus wouldn't have went to the cross. God wants you to be holy. God wants you to be clean. God wants you to be pure. God wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost. God wants to use you in a powerful way, but he needs you to be set free from sin. He needs you to come and confess those sins. And David would have stopped right here in his progression with God. But notice, David sinned greatly, but later in David's life, it was said of him that he was a man after God's own heart. Why? Because he was willing to acknowledge. That's the key, acknowledge. That means agree, agree. Agree with God. Tell God he's right. Agree with what God said. And say, you know what, Lord? I have, and in David's case here, he had committed adultery. And he had to admit to God. And then he participated in murder plot. He compounded his sin. And then that caused the death of a child. It even got worse. And, the, and when he says his sin is ever before him, that's the weight of knowing that his sin cost that child his life. That, that sorrow was ever before him. And, and you know, that's a weight. And I think we miss this sometimes. But David here is, is brave and bold because he knows he can't carry that weight on his own. And he comes to the, he comes to the creator and he says, Lord, I've sinned against you. I acknowledge that, Lord. And that's the key. That's the key. That's the first step. Amen? Sometimes, sometimes the thing that we need to acknowledge is confessing our sin. That's right. Sometimes we need to do that. Other times we just need to um, acknowledge God's word. And we need to acknowledge God's way in every area of our life. Sometimes we've, we, it's just so simple that we've just gone and done our own thing. I want to tell you, God's not Burger King. God's not a, a buffet. You don't get to pick this about God and not that. I, I can't stand the way that the church is right now, and I'm praying that God cleanses the church. It, it, it sickens me to see the state of, of his church today because we have people that will, that, I mean, we've got drag queens in some pulpits this past weekend. I mean, we've got chaos in churches. And you, can't, you cannot deny what God says in one area and accept what you want in one area. You can't take a scalpel to the Word of God and cut out what you don't like. God is God and we're not. We have to remember that. He's the God. We're just men. One guy I was ministering to this weekend, I was telling him, he was like, oh, you know, he was not believing in Jesus. And he was trying to bring philosophy and stuff. I said, it don't matter really what you say. The Word of God's against you. You, if, if you think you're smarter than the Word of God, have at it. But the Word of God is against you. You've got to get to that place where you are, are ready to say, you know what, I'm going to agree with God's Word. I'm going to take it from the table of contents to the maps and everything in between. Whatever God said, that's going to rule my life. 
I'm going to believe it because he's God and I'm not. Now, one of the problems that we have in our world today is that we have people that are propping themselves up in pulpits. I can't stand it, but they are, and they are cutting out what they don't want of the Word of God. You can't do that. God's not going to be mocked. If we continue going down that road, God's going to cause a tsunami to come through the church. God's going to do a work, and he's going to be glorified in our generation. I don't think we're going to see the church go out just with a mudslide. I mean, God's going to be, God is going to be exalted. God's going to be glorified. There's going to be a day of reckoning in the church, and that reckoning must start with us. Amen. Peter says that, that judgment starts with the house of God. Judgment starts with the house of God. So we need to have that reckoning, and that's what that word acknowledging means. It means reckoning with God. When you, um, you know, oh, farmer, well, I reckon you're right. Reckoning means I'm agreeing with you. I'm just telling you you're right. And the reckoning is what that acknowledging means. We need to come to that place where we reckon with God, and we say, you know what, Lord? You are right. The day of reckoning... Um, for the church we need to come back to the word of God and let the word of God rule our lives we need to let the word of God be true we need to hold fast to the word of God we need to be steadfast and believe what the word of God says and let God be true and every man that's in opposition be a liar but hold to the word of God that's what we need to do but the day of reckoning has come the day of reckoning has come so reckoning is just coming back to that place where we agree with God. Now let me let me show you let me show you this one in First John chapter two. Sometimes we got to do this reckoning. Sometimes you've got to get you've got to get yourself right theologically. First John chapter two, verse twenty three. So there's there's times in your life now these there's three reckonings that you're going to have to get into three reckonings or let me say it like this there's there's three things that you're going to have to acknowledge in order to maintain victory in your life and first one is sin if you got sin because god's not god's not going to allow victory when there's sin in the camp if god didn't allow joshua to have victory at ai he's not going to allow you to have victory over whatever if there's sin in the camp, if there's sin in the camp. So if there, we've got to come to God. If there's sin in the camp, we've got to confess that sin to God and then know that he's faithful and just to cleanse us of all our iniquities, all our unrighteousness, amen? But here's the second one. Here's number two. The second thing that we've got to acknowledge is theological truth. Now, it's not about, well, my, my granddaddy said that, you know, uh, God was born on Mars and blah, blah, blah. If, if, if there's theological truth that we've missed, we need to let the Word of God correct us. We need to have enough humility to let the Word of God correct us. It's not about what your granddaddy said or your grandpappy. It's not what your uncle taught you. It's not what they taught you or they said or this church I used to go to taught us this and this and this. You know what? Let's let the Word of God be the theological truth. Okay? Let's do that. So look what he says here. It says in verse number 23, Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledged the Son hath the Father also. Notice this. Key, a key point right here is that you're going to have to come to grips with this uh, theological truth. 
There's, there's a time in people's lives where they're going to stay in darkness until, until they come to this place where they acknowledge the Son and they acknowledge the Father. But you can't have one without the other. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Amen? He said that if you've seen him, you've seen the Father. You can't have one without the other. It's the three in one. It's one God. There's not three gods. It's one God. And it's a theological truth. But listen to this, though. This is just, uh, I'm just highlighting for you, the key is that there's times in our life where we need to grow theologically, where we need to grapple with the Word of God and let the Word of God be a lamp for our feet and a light for our path and say, you know what? I might have got some wrong doctrine back there, but I'm willing to humble myself to the Word of God and let God guide me. That's one of the most important things we can do in our lives. And sometimes we'll get into a place, or maybe not you, but maybe somebody that you're working with or somebody you're witnessing to. They need to understand there's certain theological truths that you're just going to have to come to grips with if the Bible teaches it and makes it expressly plain. Now, if the Bible don't teach it, because come on now, it's not a theological truth that you've got to have worship before you read the Bible. Don't get off into those battles. Or, oh, you can't have a guitar. You can have drums, but you can't have the flute. Don't get into that. That's not a theological battle. The the theological battles are those that we know are core fundamentals of the faith. That Jesus is God. That he's God manifest in the flesh. That he was born of a virgin. That he died on a cross for our sin sinlessly that he never relinquished his deity. At no point was he ever not God. He did not go and pay the price for our sin in hell. He paid the price for our sin on the cross. And he died and he rose three days later. And today he is ascended at the right hand of the Father. He intercedes for the bride of Christ and he will come back one day. Those are all theological truths that we will die on those are hills we will die on we are saved by grace through faith in the finished work of christ alone that's the way we get saved we will die on those hills we don't get saved through religion we get saved by grace through faith in christ in christ jesus what he did on that cross the blood atonement we will die on the hill of the Holy Ghost. That he came down at Pentecost. The Holy Ghost never retired. He's still at work in the church today. These are theological truths that the church is supposed to operate with the octane of the Holy Ghost, not the octane of religiosity. We are called to operate in the power and unction of the Holy Ghost. We are not called to operate in the unction of our minds. God never called us to stand up in front of a pulpit and make a book report. He called us to operate in the unction of the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that we see in our church world today is that there are people that they'll let tradition hinder them from theological truth. And here's the problem with it. You might say, well, what's wrong with this and what's wrong with that? If it's a core fundamental theological truth and someone's unwilling to agree to what the Bible says, there's another issue at play. 
because they're not willing to humble themselves. It's one thing to disagree about color of carpet. It's one thing to disagree about having flutes or banjos or trumpets. or is it, Those are different battles. But when you're talking about one God, when you're talking about, you know, believer's baptism, when you're talking about faith alone, when you're talking about, you know, the, 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 you know these deep, rich truths that people were willing to die for down through the ages, these are things that we will hold to. And, and so these theological truths, but notice that. Notice what it says in verse 23. You have to acknowledge the Son to have the Father. So there's a time in everybody's life where they have to come to a reckoning and they have to say, you know what? Jesus is the Son of God. He is who He says. He's not a good man. He was not a good man endued with power. He was not, um, you know, just a great teacher. He didn't learn some Hindu theology and strewed it out through Judaism. He's God, manifest in flesh. And you have to acknowledge the Son in order to get to the Father. Did not Jesus say that? Didn't Jesus say he's the way, the truth, and the life? No man comes to the Father but what? By me. That's what Jesus said. And this is reiterating it. He's saying if you're not willing to reckon, if you're not willing to acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God, you're not going to get to the Father. You're not. So there's, there's certain theological truths that people will have to reckon in order to go forward in God. Amen? Well, let me show you one more, and then we're going to take off. First, uh, let's go to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. Hallelujah. This is the, the third and final acknowledgement that I want to share with you. And then we're going to just get into something. So we've got to acknowledge our sin. We've got to acknowledge theological truth. And third, we've got to acknowledge the Lord. Come on now. We've got to acknowledge the Lord. This one, I believe, is where most people fail. I believe that this is one of the ones where it's most common where people will fail here. Because we're used to doing what we want, when we want, how we want. As long as we're keeping it between the ditches. Well, I'm not robbing a bank. I'm not, you know, I, I, I'm not out there, you know, with a prostitute in a hotel. I'm not robbing a bank. I'm not murdering somebody. But... Don't talk about pornography. Don't talk about, you know, having one too many drinks at the bar. Talk about the hidden sins of lust in the heart. Don't talk about those things. Don't talk about the, 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 the things that no one else sees. Because as long as we can just maintain on the surface, on the surface, it doesn't matter. Notice what God says here. He says, let's read verse 5. It's a a very popular proverb, but this part I want you to see. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. You know how many people want to be directed by God? 
You know how many people I've prayed with and said, Pastor, I don't know what to do. Oh, you want God to direct? Yes. Okay, let's acknowledge him in every area of your life. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. If there's a certain area in your life you're not willing to reckon with God and give God that area, you can't expect God to direct you, your steps. You have to be willing to let go and give God the glory and reckon that God is true and come to that place where you acknowledge him in every area of life. From the way that we treat others to the way that we're patient with people, to the way that we handle business, to the way that we dress, to the way that we talk, to the way that we conduct our lives. Every area of life is touched by this verse in all. Look what it says. In all thy ways acknowledge him. You know, God could have written this verse any which way he wanted to. He could have said, in all, in all your ways, follow him. But he said, in all your ways, acknowledge him. The word acknowledge is a reckoning. Is a reckoning in every way. So that means everything that I do, God expects me to reckon he's right. There's no area of my life where I'm not to be guided by the word of God. And if there is an area where I'm not guided by the Word of God or by the Holy Spirit, then I'm in darkness. And you see, why am I telling you this? Go back in your mind to 2 Timothy chapter 2. The key to coming out of a snare that the devil has is acknowledging the truth. That's the key. It is coming to a place of repentance and coming to a place where you acknowledge the truth. There are many people that will fall in the pitfall of unconfessed sin. There are many people that will fall in the pitfall of unbelief of a theological truth. And then there's others that simply will not yield to God. And if we're unwilling to yield to God, you know, you may say, well, uh, you know, I don't have to seek out God's wisdom for how I live. I mean, it, I, I, I got a statement of faith. I agree. You know, I think it was Brother uh, Reedhead that said, you know, we, we've relegated salvation to just someone going, uh-huh, 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 at the right questions. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But we haven't. We haven't come to that place to where we actually believe those things and stand on those things and are actually converted. But here's the thing. It says that, that there are people that are bound in a snare that the devil has and are taken captive at him by their own will. They're opposing their self and they're staying in this trap because they won't repent and acknowledge the truth. That's the key is acknowledging the truth. Now, and I'm going to come back to this. I want you to know, there is no power that the flesh or that the devil has that God can't break. But you've got to come to the place where you acknowledge the truth in repentance. If you'll do that, you'll see God break off the snare that the devil has had. And you might say, well, sometimes people don't even know they're ensnared. Okay, I'll tell you this. If you're not living holy and full of the Holy Ghost, you're in a snare. God expects you, God expects you to live holy 
and to live holy, full of the Holy Ghost. He expects you. If you're not full of the Holy Ghost and you're not living holy, there's a snare that's been brought into you. You've gotten complacent. You're sitting on a rock. You're happy over here. You're, you know, you're, you're content to be sidelined. Listen, God's not content with you to be sidelined. The Holy Ghost didn't come for 80% of the church. God's not calling 80% of the church to live right. And to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be endued with power, to live holy and be his witness. He's not telling eight out of ten of us to do that. And he's fine with you being on the sideline. He's not. He's not content with us backsliding, vacillating, capitulating. He's not content with us being content on the sidelines when God wants you on the front lines. God wants you on the front. Listen to me. Your family needs you on the front line. Your neighbors need you on the front line. People around you need you on the front line. Your church needs you to man up or woman up and get right with God and get filled with the Holy Spirit and get on the front line. Get get a hold of God and let God use you in this generation. How can we be content to be comfortable when our society is collapsing? How can we be content to be comfortable when the church has fallen into the ditch that it's in? Today, we have churches that are do what you want, how you want, when you want. They have the churches that will make a mockery of the Lord's Supper, churches that make mockeries of, of worship, churches that make mockery of everything. I mean, we've allowed everything. The biggest, most popular church in the last 15 years in America had, had homosexuals on the worship team. While the pastor was committing adultery with a Muslim, we didn't even know he was a Christian, much less a pastor. The biggest church in America. How do we get out of this? we got to come to a reckoning. We've got to come to an acknowledgement of the truth. And we need you and we need me to not be content on the sidelines. We need you in the fight. We need you to hold the line. We need you to get a hold of God and let God use you. We need you to pray through some battles. We, you're, and look, you may be like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. People around you aren't fine. It's not, sometimes you've got to get past yourself. And you've got to realize that you can have an effect on others, good or bad. You get a hold of God and you get stirred up for God. You never know what God can do in your family or in those around you or in your church. But even higher than that, it is about obeying God. Jesus told the disciples to tarry until they were endued with power from on high. How can we think that God expects us to skip that step? Well, I'd be preaching to the choir tonight. I don't know. But here's the reality. Is that God has not called you to be content on the sidelines. God has called you to get in the fight. What do, I mean? what do I mean by in the fight? I mean filled with the Lord, filled with the Holy Spirit, on fire for God, 
being his witness wherever you go, acknowledging him in all your ways, every way of life, every, from what you watch on TV to where you go, to how you drive, to the words that come out of your mouth, to the way that you dress, to the things that you believe, to the way that you treat those that hate you, to how you serve God, to how often you come to church. Every way, acknowledge him. Then he'll direct your path. Then he'll direct your path. What he's called us to do is to acknowledge the truth. And the truth is that the Spirit of God will set you free. That's the truth. The truth is that the Holy Spirit will sever. I told you that earlier in the first service. The Holy Spirit will take that spiritual scalpel and will sever the power of the world, of Satan, and of the flesh off of your life. You're willing to come and surrender to him and be buried with Christ in the baptism of his death. Be acknowledged that God will take that spiritual scalpel and he will separate you for himself. He will. He will. I love how Paul said in the book of Galatians, he said that he thanked God. He thanked God because he had been separated. He had been separated unto God. The world was crucified to him and he to the world in Galatians 6. The world was crucified to him and he to the world. That's what we need in the church. That's what we need in the church. Let me show you two other things real briefly. John chapter 8, verse 31. John chapter 8, verse 31. As we've been talking about acknowledging the truth, and I've got to show you this. John chapter 8. Verse 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him. Now, if you're not, if you're not familiar with dispensational teaching, all the first disciples of Jesus were Jews. All of them were. And, and so what happened here is they're believing on Jesus. How many of you know sometimes you start out, you're not the same as when you started? Some of y'all are better off and some are not. I don't want to look around and see. <laughs> but we need to at least acknowledge that. that sometimes you just got to acknowledge that, you're, you know, where you start is not where you're at now. Notice what Jesus said. Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, if, if, y'all know what if means? It's a condition. God's conditional. Did you know that? God's conditional. God, is, God has conditions. He had conditions on the, on the first uh, dispensation. He had, he had conditions on Israel about if they obeyed him, he'd be with them. But if they began to worship other gods and they began to worship idols, that he would be against them. Look, read Judges. Up, down, up, down, up, down. Read the book of, of, of Chronicles after, after Solomon dies. This king served God. This king did not serve God. This king served God. This king did not serve God. They would go in and out, in and out, in and out. It was all conditional. If they followed God, he made a way for them. Think about, now I want you to think about something. Think about how we don't know what tomorrow holds. 
Look at our nation. Look what our nation's facing, and we don't know what tomorrow holds. God's conditional. If we reject God, he's going to reject us. If we reject God, he's going to reject us. But if we follow him and acknowledge him, he'll make a way for us. He'll make a way for us. He's faithful. Jesus said, if, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I want, I want to point something out. Before you can get to the truth making you free, you've got to continue in what this book says. You can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't live how you want to live and then say, well, Jesus is the truth. I make my own truth. Look, Jesus said you got to continue in his word. If you continue in his word, then and only then will you know the truth. And once you know the truth, like I told you earlier, that spiritual scalpel will make you free. You'll be free. Like a bird set free from a cage. Ain't going back in that cage. Try to get a bird back in a cage. Once he's out, he's out. And the reality is, is that so many people want to be free, but they don't want to follow God's word. They don't want to come to that place of acknowledging this book. But Jesus said, you can't get to the truth until you come to that place where you reckon his word is true. Continue in his word. Then and only then will you know the truth and be made free. Some people are not made free because they don't continue in something God says. Maybe it's because you're not forgiving someone that did you wrong. Maybe it's because you're not trusting God. A certain issue. Maybe it's because you're not believing God. Maybe you're not filled with the Spirit and you don't have the fruit of the Spirit. Why well, don't I have joy? I wish I had joy. I need, I need this for joy. I need, I need that for joy. I've got to have this for joy. I thought joy was a fruit of the Spirit. Joy comes from the Lord. Joy comes from the presence of God. Joy doesn't come from drugs. Joy doesn't come from relationships. Joy doesn't come from circumstances. Joy doesn't come from politicians. Joy doesn't come from Capital One or Chase Bank. Joy doesn't come from the IRS Treasury hitting my bank account. Joy doesn't come from those things. Joy comes from God. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. You may not have anything else, but you can have God and you can have joy. Well, first thing, though, you've got you've to come to the place where you continue in the Word. Then you'll be his disciple indeed. Now, why is it that so many people don't have this effect in their life? This is the only way that God's power will be effectual in your life. is when you acknowledge the truth. Acknowledge the word of God. You know what God says about the word of God? He said that he exalts, he magnifies the word above his very name. Now, how many of y'all know that Jesus has been given a name above every name? Y'all know that, right? Jesus has been given the name above every name, but the word of God says that the word has been magnified above his name. Jesus even said that heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will endure. 
So this is one of the things that we need to get to, I believe, the way that the church gets back where it needs to be is to repent and acknowledge God's word again. We need to come back to that place where God's word guides the church, guides me, guides you, and hopefully, Lord willing, guides the nation again. Amen? But it's a battle. It's a battle. Sometimes we've got to understand that, that not every battle is quick and easy. Sometimes it takes a lot. Uh, you know, you, you could say, oh, yeah, you got to do this and you got to do that. Well, going back to David acknowledging his sin, it took a man of God with a backbone to get to David. David didn't just say, oh, yeah, I did wrong. I need to go do right. He needed, he needed someone around him that had a backbone for God. And you know what? If you hide from the body of Christ, if you go hide out in your hole and you hide from the people of God, it could be because you like your blind spots. What would you rather have, blind spots or Jesus? In order, and, and think about David now. Think about David. He, David was the king. You're not going to tell me nothing. If I need to know it, God will tell me. Well, God's telling you through another man. And sometimes God does that. You've got to recognize sometimes that you're not thinking right and be humble enough to be corrected by God. Let me show you this in, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. This is where we're close at, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Second Corinthians chapter 10. It's war. So all this started because the apostle Paul was telling Timothy about how to recover people, how to recover people that have been in a snare of the devil. You know, as, as I go through this message, the thing that, that the Lord just keeps putting on my heart, just keeps putting on my heart, is it's, it's one thing to get yourself in a bond, but it's another thing to stay there. It's one thing to get yourself in a bond, but it's another thing to stay there. And what God is laying before you is how to get out of the snare of the devil. We've got to acknowledge, it's going to be one of those things we've got to acknowledge. Sin, or we need to acknowledge a theological truth, or we just need to start acknowledging God in all our ways. But we've got to come to that place where we repent and acknowledge the truth. That's when freedom comes. That's when freedom comes. Well, sometimes we have, like I said earlier, stinking thinking. And if the enemy is going to attack you, most of the time it's going to be in your thought life. Okay? It's going to be in your thought life. He's going to begin to plant thoughts in your head that oppose the word of God. He's going to tell you that God don't like you or God's okay with you, but God, you, you, you did too much to be set free. Or you, you know, you're not good enough for God to give you the Holy Spirit. You're not this. and you're not, I mean, the devil lies. He's been a liar from the beginning is what Jesus said. And he lied to Eve. Let me tell you something. He lied to Eve, and he's lied to every person since then. And you're not any different. But here's the key. Are you going to believe the lie of the enemy or will you believe the word of God? Will the truth make you free or are you content listening to his lie? Where would we be if Eve would have said, well, you know, 
that's interesting what you're saying, but God's word says, da-da-da-da-da. It's interesting that you say this, but God's word says that. It's interesting that our nation has embraced homosexuality, has embraced two guys or two girls getting married. It's interesting that our nation has, has legislated abortion, and, which is murder. It's interesting, but the word of God says that God gave a man and a woman to come together as one flesh, and that that's what marriage is. And the word of God says is when you take an innocent life and kill it, it's murder, and that's breaking a Ten commandment. Well, it's one thing to be lied to. It's another thing to let the lie stand. And that's where that's one of the keys of spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare. Look at this in verse 3. It says, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Though we walk in the flesh... We do not war after the flesh. God's not calling you to take up arms and to go fight the enemy with physical arms. God's called you to fight spiritually. I love what Brother Ravenhill said. I always have to insert it right here. He said, if you, if you think your enemy has a social security number, you've got the wrong enemy. Your enemy is the devil and his demons. Your enemy is the world. If, you, if you've made a friend of the world, you've become an enemy of God. And you can't straddle that fence. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty. Through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, listen to this, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. What, how do you get knowledge of God? This book, the Word of God. There are lies that the world will tell you. There are lies that Satan will tell you. And there are lies that your flesh will tell you that will exalt itself against what God has told you. And if you're willing to allow any of the devil, the world, or your flesh to hold a lie over you, you'll be in a snare until you repent and acknowledge the truth. But once you come to that place and you say, you know what, that, that's a lie because God says differently. God says differently. God says this. You're saying that, but God says this. It can be something so simple as you believing you'll never be set free of your addiction to alcohol. Well, you know, I, I, I know what you're saying, but you don't know it runs in my family history. Well, come on now. Are you old or new? Because the Bible says in Christ Jesus, old things pass away. All things are made new. You want to you run with the old flesh and the old life, you haven't been changed yet. But when you get changed, you're a new creature. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. You've got to come to that place where you, don't, you no longer identify with who you were, but now you identify with who God is in you. 
Who God says you are now is more important than who you were. And if we're not willing to acknowledge that, we'll stay in a snare. This is spiritual warfare. The enemy wants you to, the enemy wants you to identify with your past so that he can keep you away from the truth. So they keep you in bondage. The enemy wants you to identify with complacency. The enemy wants you to identify with trying to fly under the radar and trying to sit in the back row and trying to go where you're unnoticed. And not, I'm not trying to ruffle any feathers. I'm just trying to go, I'm not doing it. The enemy wants you to feel like that. But God wants you to stand up, be accounted for, get right with God, get filled with the Spirit of God, get on fire for God, and let God use you. Friends, we don't have much time left. We don't have much time left. And it's, it's high time for the church of the living God to get right and to get on fire and to get used for God. Because the best thing that we can do is not leave our bowling trophies for our children. The best thing that we can do is live a hot and holy life and leave a heritage for them to follow. Best thing we can do is show them what it's like to see someone on fire for God. Show them what it's like to see someone filled with the love of God, willing to risk life and limb to follow the Lord Jesus. Not in our own strength, but through the strength and the power of God. And we have people that are unwilling to to do that. And it's time for reckoning. We we can wish and hope and politicize and do all this stuff, but until the church acknowledges the truth, nothing's going to change. I invite you, go read 2 Timothy 2 again. It was only when these people repented and acknowledged the truth that they were set free from the snare of the enemy. Amen. Amen. Let's be free tonight. Amen. All right. Let's pray. Father, we bless you tonight. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to hear your word. And Lord, we thank you for your truth. And Lord, we pray that you would send